This is Radical Learning Talks with Sadi Gonzalez and Becca Koritz. Ever feel you're not living your life to its full potential, or you wish you had more ease in your relationships, or maybe your gut tells you that your kids could be or are being crushed by the conventional system? There's so many signs telling us when we need to make a shift, but sometimes it's hard to know what and how. In this episode, we talk about some signs that tell us that our lens needs to shift around learning, parenting, relationships, and community. So we were having this conversation this morning, and we were talking about how to describe our work, what it is we do, and why it's so important. And yeah. yeah, and and I'm reading this book, um, Ross Green. It's called The Explosive Child. It's a horrible name, and he even admits it. It's like the sixth edition. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the first things he says. I hate the name of this book, but I can't change it. Um, and yeah, it, it talks about shifting lenses. And I was like, this is exactly how we talk about the work that we do at Radical Learning. This is exactly how we look at um, de-schooling. This is exactly how we approach our trainings. We do a training here. Um, We have one coming up in October called The Shift. And I really appreciated the way that Ross Green talks about this lens, like shifting lenses. And it made me think about how de-schooling is really about that shift of lens in kind of three different areas, really, are the areas that at Radical Learning, we we are shifting our lives and we support people to shift their lives. And so we wanted to talk about like, what are the signs that we need to make some shifts in our lives? Yeah, and so the different areas that we feel that we need to shift in are? Learning and education, like yeah. kind of one category, I guess you could say. Um, parenting. Parenting and relationships. Yeah, parenting, partnership, relationships. Mm-hmm. And community. And community is also about partnership and relationships, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think learning, education, and parenting and community partnerships. And so it's just kind of, we're just being really reflective on what were the signs for us that things needed to begin to change in our lives in those certain areas. So, Sadi, what are the signs? Well, I think, okay, so let's take learning for starters, right? Um, I don't know, like in your life, what what were the signs that the approach to learning in your life with Tao was not working? Because he hated school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he hated it so badly and I had spent so much time and effort and just like invested my whole being in these two Waldorf initiatives. The first one actually worked out pretty fine because he was in kindergarten, he was playing, and it was all good. But once he started primary school, he was just like, no. And it went a little bit up and down, and I remember very clearly that second grade he disliked very strongly. And then when he started fourth grade, that's where it just didn't flow for him any longer, and he was crying. I mean, this is this is like my this is my my anxiety, you know, and my guilt because he was crying every evening and he was crying every morning, saying, "Why do I have to go to school?" And I was like, mm, knowing that really he didn't. 
You see, that to me is like sign number one. It's like when you ask yourself or somebody asks you, why, why are we doing this? I mean, I guess that most parents, and I think that I've been there too, would, would say, because you have to, because that's what we do. You know, we go to school. But the thing is, I had already come across unschooling. Hmm. And so I knew there were other ways. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't lie to him. I couldn't tell him, like, oh, because this is what you have to do. I mean, I did. I did. I did for a while, but it just went on. September, mm-hmm. October, November. I mean, it was just getting worse. And in the end, I was just like, you know what? You don't have to go to school. This is, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and I think that that's where a lot of it starts. That's where many of us enter unschooling from, that question of, my kid isn't really digging this. They're suffering. They're kicking the door down when we have to go. Or I'm getting phone calls from teachers saying, you know, that they're misbehaving or they're unhappy or... Or the homework. Oh, my God. I mean, I just spent, like, a few days helping my sister do homework to finish ninth grade and so many times I was asking her like why are you why are we doing this and she's like I don't know and then it we did were able to have conversation about it as a family where it leads the answer is always fear you know like fear of not amounting to anything fear of not being successful but it's that question that question of why are we doing this so I think a sign that maybe we're not thinking about learning or education in a way that is supporting our kids to thrive is when there is resistance to the conventional system. And we're not really questioning it because there is resistance and we're trying to force our kids into that mold that they don't really fit into. And I'm thinking, for instance, other, other ways where we can maybe see that Hmm, something is off is when we as parents compare our kids a lot. Yes. Uh, It can be like on both ends, you know, like, oh, well, my son is already reading and and like he's consuming so and so many books per week. And you're kind of like proud because your kid is ahead. Why Mm -hmm. the hell is that important? Why? And is it important to them or is it important to you? Absolutely. You know, this also brings up something like a sign that maybe we need to shift our perspective around learning is when we start to make a list of all the things that we feel our kids need to learn. Oh, Jesus. Yes. You know, like, oh. And I mean, this is super common for unschoolers. Yeah. Yeah. People new to unschooling will be like, oh my God, my kid is just on the skateboard it's been three months right. and on the skateboard is this is this what it's going to be like they're now? not learning anything they're not learning anything and you know like we have this mental list of of course reading writing math advanced math which i don't get because nobody ever uses it and if you need to use it you just google it and it's going to be fine and geography and chemistry and physics and like there is a list of things that we just think that they have to know Right, or even, I mean, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up that this still happens in unschooling because really what we're talking about are like signs that you need to change your lens, your de-schooling lens even, you know. Yeah, you need to shift the way you look at At things. And that happens within unschooling and within a de-schooling process. It's a process, so it's not like 
it's never ending. You're always yeah. And I mean, I, th- I think about these parents, for instance, who get hooked up on the skateboarding for three months in a row, and they're like, "Is this what it's gonna be now?" Like, be able to question that thought. Mm-hmm. Like, really, do you seriously think that your kid is gonna do this for the rest of their lives? Right. You know, like daring to question what pop- pops up in our head, and when we don't do that, and we just freak out. To me, that is a big, big sign that we need to shift something. So it's almost like the sign of like that cyclical thinking that is motivated by fear. Yeah. Yeah. Where oh. we don't question our thinking, we question our kids. Right, right. We look at our kids and we compare them to other kids or what we think they should be doing. Mm-hmm. And we're questioning them, but not ourselves. And we're also not being curious, you know, like what what are what the expectation and the standard that we're we're putting on what they should be learning or how they should be learning is based on our experience and our expectations expectations and fears and not on them so it's like i guess a sign could also be like if we're not having conversations with our kids about what it is that they want to learn or or what they're interested in because they yeah. won't even say I want to learn about da 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 just like what they're interested in. Just the other day I asked Sai, I was like, "So Sai, what do you what do you want to like what are you interested in? What are you what are you curious about?" And he just went into this whole thing about parkour. And I was like, "Oh, I had no idea." You know, <laughs> yeah. like I thought you were just playing video games, but no, he's been watching like YouTube videos on parkour and and this makes me think too that when we focus too much on learning mm. and we're like, what do you want to learn, little friend? <laughs> then we kind of miss the opportunity of really going deeper with them. Because when you ask, like, what were you interested in? What would you like to do? There mm. you will have so many more answers. But when we say, what do you want to learn? Kids generally will associate learning with something negative because of us and because of maybe previous school experiences. I see this a lot in centers and learning communities because even it's super easy for facilitators to think about kids learning um, in a very like structured way. You know, Mm -hmm. like they should be working on a certain project or they should be doing things a certain way and still being really caught up in our thinking about how their learning process should be. Yeah, oh God, you said project. Yeah. Like, yes, I want the children to engage in long-term projects. Yeah, that's really common. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I do think it's a developmental thing, first, first of all. I do. I see that the older the kids get, the more tendencies they have into actually going into more like project-based learning but why is that so important like as if like as if what is happening for the kids isn't valuable unless it comes in a format that we can somewhat control or observe or measure in a way yeah it's still coming from our own need basically so yeah i mean these are all signs there's so many more we can do i think a podcast on each specific bucket Probably. (laughs) But let's shift into parenting. Oh, parenting. How how can we we know Mm. that we need to shift our lens? I mean, Jesus, if you're like fighting with your kid all the damn time. You know what I mean? (laughs) If you're like... Number one, if you're having a lot of conflicts at home. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're not an ally for your kid, but you're, you're like that 
power over maybe you're, you're really working hard to get away from this but there's this power struggle all the time yeah you know like I told you to and you should be doing this and go to your room and you know that there's think, no flow there's no yeah I joy. think that you know what comes in the way again it's like our our parental expectations of what a kid should be able to do or not be able to do and so like when we place very high expectations on our kids um, that can feel like a lot of pressure it is an imposition it is something that is forced upon the kids and they will rebel against it and we don't get that we're actually we are the ones creating the conflicts Mm -hmm. we're the ones feeding the conflicts trying to force them to do things that we think are important or that we think that they should know how to do um so yeah definitely like if you have a lot of conflicts at home and i think also i mean you mentioned parenting and partnership um or partner i don't remember how you said it but i think it goes hand in hand like this is about relationship yeah you know so it's it's like if we are looking at our kids and our partners and our the people in our lives as like through a lens and here we go talking about that shifting of the lens like through a lens of we are just humans sharing this time and space together nobody has the fucking answer (laughs) and we're all learning together you know so it's kind of tied to that idea of learning too and how we evolve and how we develop but if we think that we because we have more experience know the way that it should be or we feel like you know somebody should be acting differently with us because of our position of power like the question around parenting and partnership is like who holds the power yeah and who's using the power over the other yeah and if there is that power struggle if that there is that dynamic where it's not about like coming together and having conversations that are equitable and about like you know, this is what I need and this is what you need and how are we going to come together? And that takes skill and that takes... It takes time to develop. It takes time to develop and, you know, courses like like trainings like our training and there are a lot of resources out there and people that are supporting conscious parenting and de-schooling, but it, it's like, you know you need to make a change if you're... When you think about a person and you think about your relationship with them, there's heaviness and there's like a lot like it's there's a missing of a spark of joy yes i was just gonna say that i think that in parenting when you don't have fun with your kids i'm not saying that you're gonna have fun every single minute but if if you don't feel joy around it something does need to shift Mm -hmm. and if you as a parent you're more concerned about your kids doing all these chores successfully than actually hanging out with them and having a good time then I would say that would definitely be a very sure sign of something needs to shift. Yeah, and then, I mean, you get into, like, the very specific things. Like, if bedtime routine is really painful, if, you know, like, brushing teeth and choices of food and... Or the screens. Screens. Like, you're, yeah, you're really struggling with how much time your your kid is on a screen and you want to, like, control and... Or I know another sign, and that is when you are using specific terms, but your, um, your behavior hasn't shifted. So you don't talk about 
for instance, punishments. Mm. But you, you talk about negative consequences. Right. But the word negative consequences is just cover up for actually a real punishment. Yeah. Or like you just saying, oh, here, here at home, we don't have rules, we have agreements. But who set those agreements? Did you do that together with your kid? Or is it something that you came up with and it's a rule, but you call it an agreement? Yeah, there's no consent yeah. if your relationships are not consent-based. Exactly. Basically. And, you know, it's... And there's... there Somebody isn't, like, making the decisions for everybody instead of it being, like, collaborative. Um, and that goes into community, too, but... Yeah, I think that actually what this is about is us parents trying to control and manipulate the kids behaviors like when that is happening that is a very certain sign that something is off and i think that it's hard for parents sometimes to to actually look at themselves in this way and i can put it like this like if you look at your kid and you think that they're misbehaving that is a clue because it's not about the behavior being the problem, uh, but rather like looking at, with another kind of lens, looking at the behavior as, oh, there are lacking needs here. There are lacking like, skills. Lacking skills. Lagging skills, yeah. Yeah. There might be like other reasons for this behavior. Maybe you just placed a really high expectation on your kid and this is why the behavior is happening. But if, if you look at it as the kid is misbehaving and you don't see your own, uh, your own part in it and you don't want to be accountable for your own parenting, that is a sign. Yeah, and I mean, that, that is the case in any relationship. Of course. Like not just you know, parents and kids, but with your partners, with family members, if it's always like they, 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 or their problem, or their, and there are, granted, there are people that, you know, maybe you just don't want to have in your life, but... You know, this idea that um, in school, I mean, that's part of the reason why we never sent Sai to conventional school, because I knew early on that he had very different needs and he has a very different mind. And I knew that he would be labeled as a challenging kid. And so that just just that, like if you're if you feel like, oh, my kid's so challenging, you know, or my partner's so challenging or there's more to that. And there's a lens that could be shifted in terms of understanding what's beneath the the action and beneath the behavior and understanding needs and emotions and different you know ways that we can communicate about that but those are sure like you said becca that's that's a sign right there that's something if you want to live joyfully if you want to have equitable relationships because maybe you don't and you're like it's fine the way it is but if you don't want to have some conflict in in your relationships then something does need to shift yeah i like i like this this idea of looking at our projections i mean i i hear parents saying this all the time like my kid is throwing a tantrum mm -hmm. really is it your kid or is it you mm -hmm. my kid is manipulating me are you sure isn't it you trying to manipulate your kid? Like, take it back. Like, we are projecting all the time. But, but we can, you know, look at it and be honest about it and say, like, oops, I just called my kid manipulative. Actually, I'm the one who's trying to control my kid and force my kid to do what I think is best. Yeah, and I also think that that goes to a lot of, like, oppressive tools that we that are, like, passed down generation to generation, like spanking or, you know, like, if you have an angry parent, 
it's very likely that you're going to parent angrily, you know, unless you work on that. And so speaking from my own experience, it's it takes a lot of self-reflection and I think a sign that maybe something needs to shift if, is if you're not actively self-reflecting every freaking day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're not feeling discomfort around using oppressive tools or maybe you do like I feel like also a sign is like listening to that voice that's like oh I hear this all the time and I felt it like oh yes I don't want to do that I don't want to say that I don't want to talk to my kid like that but I just don't know any other freaking way I know that one and and I think that many times parents have a lot of anxiety and guilt come up around like when the kids are in bed and you finally go to bed and you think about your day and you realize like all the moments that you fucked up and you just sit with that anxiety and that guilt and you don't know what to do with it there are solutions people like there are so many things that we can do to move from there into something very different and yes it takes a lot of work but oh my god it shifts everything yeah and i think the idea is not to just throw out like okay these are the signs that things need to change but i think we did want to have this as like a podcast theme because it feels like that awareness that oh these are the things that are happening in my life that are indicating that i need to shift something is like where we begin where we begin our journey, our de-schooling journey, our unschooling journey. And it can be super hard because you have then to admit that everything is not flowing. And that is so hard when we're trying to be the perfect parent all the time. So let's talk a little bit about community. And this is a term and this is like a theme that is shifting a lot, I think, for me personally and in my life um, as as we also develop different kinds of communities, virtual communities, like you see your family as a community, you see your learning family as a community, whatever it is. But I think it goes into relationship and partnership. Um, Like what are the relationships like in the groups, in the spaces that you frequent and that you flow or not flow in? And accountability, like, is everyone taking accountability for co-creating the space? Or are you like giving, 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 and then blow up because you're pissed off and resentful? Or, <laughs> That's a sign. <laughs> yeah, or do you come into a community focusing mainly on what you want to receive, what you want to get out of that community? Yeah, yeah. Are you thinking about what you want to offer? What do you want to contribute with, yes or no? Yeah, I think a lot about like boundary setting. Is it easy for you to set set and set clear boundaries and for those boundaries to be met in like a really caring way? Yeah. Or do you have difficulty setting those boundaries because you feel like you're gonna like let somebody down if you, you know, don't show up because you need to take care of yourself? I have another one. Yeah. Do you speak badly about other community members behind their backs? (laughs) That's a scary one. Yeah, it is a scary (laughs) one. Actually, I want to say that um, when I took my first AF training up in Charlotte in 2016, so it's an agile learning facilitation training given by the ALC network, uh, I was in awe 
because no one that I met was saying anything negative about anyone. Which I, was different than other circles. Which was completely different. Mm. Because many times what I have experienced is people like, you know, coming to me and then there's like, yeah, because that person, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. And they make it sound like as if it's, you know, something they're sharing with trust with me. Mm. But I know now that when they do that, it's very likely that they talk in the same way about me yeah. with someone else. Yeah, it's a horrible feeling. It is a horrible feeling. And I mean, yeah. I have seen communities go down because people don't know how to communicate properly. They don't know how to stand up for what they need and share it in a respectful way. They don't know how to create partnership. And, and they just go on using these very very oppressive tools mm. that are built on inauthenticity and and i would say like just complete lack of trust yeah yeah and yeah the, and those those tools get keep getting used and it's like this cycle and then one person does it to the next and yeah authenticity honesty too if you if you feel like you can't be honest with community members or people in your circle about how you're feeling or what your needs are that's a sure sign like something is off I mean I think and it doesn't have to be you it can be the community you're in maybe right. it's the wrong community for you right exactly maybe there are different values that are that are not being shared or something like that but you know I also think about this this idea too of um, shared responsibility mm-hmm. that um, it, it need like in order for a community to to thrive it not only needs to be a safe space for everyone to be able to share without judgment without you know like repercussions or punishments or um but also that it's like we all have a responsibility to to make to you know to make it what we want it to be so it's like instead of whispering you know behind somebody's back it's like okay well then you're unhappy with something then it's also that person's responsibility to help put you know put into practice like what community is which is coming together to try to change that thing exactly and so that takes a level of accountability for it sure does. absolutely yeah so like another sign is like if you don't have community if you don't have people if you're feeling yeah. alone which is super super really common yeah i've been there most time of my life yeah. Most time of my life and in unschooling, yeah, definitely, yeah. for sure. But that's, then something needs to shift, right? Something, there's, there's an opportunity to see it through a different lens. Yeah, at, at, the, at that time, I was more like, okay, I would either have to move or I stay here and I try to create something. And I did. It, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was really successful, <laughs> though. But you know, well, it I led you to here. Well, at so. least it led you to come down here too. Yeah. So you know, in that in that way, yeah, absolutely. But it's hard when you're when you're alone. It is very hard, and I think that it sometimes it's easier said than done. Just find a community or build a community. It takes time, but I think that idea that like you could also sit in that place of being alone, or there are people out there that have amazing resources and communities that you could be a part of i mean virtually there's we've we've shared some of these these resources on our podcast you know like there's there's so many on instagram right now and social media but i think like if you're feeling really lonely in it that's just a sign that something can shift the other thing is like maybe you found your community maybe you found your group maybe you're a part of it but like one person or a few people hold the power 
I mean, that is a freaking problem in the world right now, right? Like, if we see the <laughs> yeah. world as a community, it's falling apart because, you know, there's few people that that are controlling or trying to control the masses. And so it's like, who's holding the power? Again, going back to the relationship. Who's holding the power? How is that power used? Is it shared? Are decisions being made collectively? Are they, you know, is there space being held to, like, check in to see who and how people are and how they're feeling and what their struggles are and what their needs are is there room for dialogue you know in organizations as a community too like do staff members or group members or community members have the space to be able to be their authentic selves without like punishment or without being shamed like creating that safe space and if you don't feel that um then that's or if you're not creating that if you're a leader in in a community like if you're if you're holding all the power, if you're making all the decisions, if you're having a hard time letting go and like delegating, as people say, or sharing that power, like there's something that could really shift there. Definitely. So again, I think all of this has to do with with consent and with um, sharing. And again, power. like I, I don't think we're here to tell people that you have to shift. It's just <laughs> no. that when you look at your life, and you see these things and you realize that you don't like them or you would like them to shift, that is where the opportunity lies. So I'm thinking, Sari, like about, like if, if you are in that situation that you want to shift, it can be really hard to know where to start and how to begin and how to, how to make the shift. Yeah, I mean, I think like, like we said earlier, I think the first step is recognizing that something is off and needs to change so recognizing these patterns recognizing like how you feel like really taking the time to just sit and observe and pause and check in with yourself and like notice how your relationships are what is lacking what is frustrating like all of that stuff just observe and and I think once you do have a sense of like yeah things are not really going the way that I want them to Again, there are there are a lot. I mean, we have a training called The Shift. Um, our next one is in October. You can find information. You can email us and we'll send you information or find information on our website or Instagram. But, you know, there are people out there in the unschooling, self-directed ed, de-schooling movement, not just us, that are actively working to support people to shift their mindsets. And so I think... If you see that something is off, you owe it to yourself to do something about it. And what basically what it is, is like understanding why we have those, those, that way of thinking, understanding why we have those pro those problems and think, understanding that there's a different way to do it. And then developing tools and practices that help us slowly move away from that old way of thinking and that old way of relating to others and developing different paths of relating to one another and to ourselves. Yeah, and understanding that this is not something that we were born with. It's not something that we just suddenly know because we become parents. Mm. It is something we need to work on. It is something that it's, it's, it's about looking at our programmings, uh, the ones that have been imposed by our parents, our society, our schooling, and 
understanding what they're about mm -hmm. because when you understand it that's when you can start shifting and getting these tools yeah. like you can always learn this is what for me this is what self-directed education is about it is about realizing that we are in a constant learning process and learning doesn't stop just because we're adults we can keep on learning and improving. Mm -hmm. And I think you said something. You said you owe it to yourself, but you mm -hmm. also owe it to your kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think like if, if we can raise generations of humans that are aware of, of these power structures, of these programmings, and relate to us as, as adults, as parents, as humans in a different way, like the future is going to look really, really different. But if we keep using these tools of oppression, if we keep, if we like, oh yeah, something needs to change, but like we don't actively seek out the information, we don't read the books, we don't listen to the podcasts, we don't take the trainings, we don't, then what is going to change? And you know what I think? I think that our training, the shift, is really for people who are tired of things not changing, you know, yeah. po this pointing the finger, you know, politicians, they should change, or this should change, people should just know how to deal with things in a different way. But our people, like the people that come with us, they're the ones that understand that the shift happens in ourselves. In ourselves. That is the only thing we can be accountable of. And yeah. that is so powerful. And I appreciate those humans, because they continue to help me shift. Like. Plus, we have so much fun. <laughs> we have so yeah. much fun. Yeah. But I think, really, at the end of the day, Becca, like, what's very important for this work is courage. We need to have the courage to look at all of those things and to look at those patterns and to be able to really, like, dare greatly to change that. And you can only be courageous when you feel fear and yeah. that's okay so it's okay it's okay to be scared it's okay to be afraid of like what this what what, what is this going to bring on like yeah. it's okay yeah so dive into that fear exactly. let's dive into that fear <laughs> <laughs>In the next episode of Radical Learning Talks, we dive deep with Chimay Morales-James, founder of My Reflection Matters Village and a social liberation and equity coach. We talk about her virtual de-schooling community and de-schooling as decolonization work, what's wrong with the school system and the importance of learning and unlearning in community. Stay tuned.